Father, we thank you that you are so involved in our lives, that you love us, that you that we can know you, we can know your Son. Father, we ask this morning for your spirit of wisdom and revelation to be imparted to us in increasing measures, that we can know you more, that we can know Jesus more. Holy Spirit, come and reveal to our hearts, open the eyes of our hearts, that we can know him. In Jesus' name, amen. When I spoke last time, I talked about the very reason for our existence, the reason that you were born, and that's to know God and to be with him forever. And that relationship was broken in the garden, and Jesus came for the purpose of restoring that relationship, of bringing reconciliation, of bringing us back together. And that it was his desire that you be with him forever. He desires you. He desires that relationship that you were created for. Today, what I want to talk about is the importance of that relationship and the, the, the cry of his heart for you to pursue that relationship with him. Now, I need to set my timer. I've been told I got just a few minutes, so I want to try and stay on time here. All right. Um, so there, I want to look first at Mary of Bethany. We all know who Mary Bethany was, right? There's three stories about her in the Bible. One is where she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha's off cooking and, and complains, say, Jesus, look at her. She's not helping me. But Mary is sitting at his feet, listening to his words, being in his presence, staring at him, loving him. And Jesus says, Martha. Mary has chosen the good thing. The next scene we see her in is when her brother Lazarus has died. Jesus comes into Bethany, and he first comes us and sees Martha, and Martha comes to him and says, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that he will be raised. And then they go on to have a conversation about that. And then Martha goes and finds Mary and says, Jesus wants to see you. Mary comes to Jesus and says the exact same words. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But something about what Mary said moved his heart. And he responded by raising Lazarus. The third place we see her is there's another dinner. It's just before Jesus goes to the cross. And she comes in with this, this, this vase of uh, expensive perfume. It's worth about a year's worth of wages. And it, 
Um, they figure it was probably her inheritance. And she proceeds to, to break it open and pour it over Jesus' his head and his feet. She takes her hair and wipes up his feet. And, then, and the disciples get upset with her. What a waste. But Jesus stops them and says, let her alone. She's done this for me. Why does she do that? Mary, to me, is a picture of each one of us. When we, when we come to know him and we spend time with him, we develop our relationship with him. And, and it brings us to the point we, where we will extravagantly, extravagantly, Give up things for him. Give to him. Exhibit our devotion for him in ways that people look at and go, what are you doing? And what did Jesus say? You see that little girl? She was probably 15, 16, 17 years old. Wherever... The gospel is preached. I want her story told. What she has done for me. Why would he say that? I think it's because he wants, he values the, the relational part of why he saved us. And as, he, as the gospel is proclaimed, he wants people to say, I want a relationship like she had. He considered that important. Important enough that he wants it preached everywhere the gospel is preached. It's part of the gospel message. Now, Jesus did a lot of object lessons. He, he, he was a master at object lessons. Can we turn the lights off? There's an object lesson that Jesus uses to describe this relationship that he's looking for. Okay. Next time, don't use the Ukrainian matches. <laughs> I brought American ones just in case. And the object he used was a lamp. He said, you, he said, first, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. He referred to John the Baptist one time as, a, as the burning and shining lamp. So how does this relate to a relationship? Go ahead and turn on that video. So you can see that a little bit better. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us, 
You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill is not hidden, and neither do you light a lamp and put it under a basket, but you set it on the lampstand where it gives light to all who are in the house. There are four areas in the Bible that Jesus uses this lamp as, as an object lesson. And I want to talk about each of those areas briefly. The lamp, as you see, it's small. It's made of clay. We are all jars of clay. It's filled with oil, and it has a wick, and it has a light. Now, when he says that we are the light of the world, that is our testimony. The testimony of of how we know him, the, the experience we've had with Jesus in our lives, how he's changed our lives, how he's impacted our lives, the relationship that we have developed with him comes out in this light. The lamp itself, made of clay, is a picture of our heart. It's who we are. And the oil is that relationship. It's, it comes from the time we spend with him, the experiences we've had with him. As we read his word, he fills our heart with our knowledge of who he is. Not just facts, but it's like who he is. He's our shepherd. Jesus, you're my shepherd. I want to know you as my shepherd. In the tabernacle, in the, in the Old Testament, in the temple, they were told to build a lampstand and then put seven lamps on it. And the job, this, these seven lamps would burn in the, the uh, holy place and would give light to that room. And the high priest would come in every morning and they would tend to the lamp. He would He'd refill the oil, he'd, he'd trim the wick, make sure it was ready to, to use, and then he'd light it. Now, Jesus is our high priest. And then as we interact with him, as we have that relationship with him, he, he trims the wick, he, he fills us with oil. It, it comes from that time we spend with him. And he, and he lights that, that wick again. And... and and we shine in the darkness. We know that this light is our testimony because Jesus in John 5 and John 8 speaks of the testimony. And in the same context, he speaks of being a light. So, this relationship that we have, the importance of it, is that we cannot be the light that he's called us to be unless we have the oil, unless we spend time with him, unless we develop that relationship. Now, many of us have testimonies. We all have testimonies. Some of us have amazing testimony of conversion. You know, we were, we were healed. You can bring the lights up a little bit. We were healed. You know, and, and God got a hold of us. Maybe we were a, an addict of some kind or, 
or you know some major conversion experience and and people go wow that's amazing and that testimony is your light but if you don't keep pursuing that relationship and keep filling your heart with that oil that light eventually the oil will, of that initial testimony of that initial experience will dry up. And when the oil dries up in the lamp, what happens to the wick? It burns out. Many times you hear about people, you know, Christians being, you know, I just, I got burned out. You know, I just, I just overdid it. I, I need to take a, a break, and, and oftentimes we take a break from church. I did that. I burned out because I was so involved in doing things that I forgot to spend time with Jesus and keep refilling that oil, keep replenishing that oil. It's a day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month thing. It's, it's something we have to keep doing. It's, he is the reason, okay? We need to be with him. In the parable of the ten virgins, the wise and the foolish, you know, five are wise, five are foolish. Why were the, the wise wise? Because they had extra oil. Now, realize that in, the, in this parable, they all had oil, they all had lamps, they all had a light that was burning. But the bridegroom was delayed. Now, this parable is not about salvation, okay? It's not about losing your salvation. This parable is about participating in what, what Jesus is doing. And the, as the, and it's, and, and the parable is really about the end of the age, the time frame when Jesus is returning. And there's going to be great darkness in that time. And... He is looking for the church to rise up and be a light in that darkness. And we all will have a testimony. But if we do not pursue that relationship, when it comes time, we hear that and, we, and, the, and the cry goes out, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. We look at our lamps and we go, I've got oil. My lamp is, is running low, but I've got extra oil because I've spent hours and hours, weeks, months, years getting to know Jesus. But the other ones are going, hey, my oil is running out. I, did, I didn't bring extra oil. I didn't, you know, I, I figured I had plenty of time to get to know him better. Now, I know him a little bit because I've had some, you know, life with him, but you know, I got so involved in, in doing the ministry that I just didn't have time to, to keep going back and spending time with him. And so the foolish go to the wise and say, give us some of your oil. Now, this has to be one of the most unchristian responses I've ever heard. No, <laughs> I'm not sharing my oil with you. <laughs> 
But the reality is they can't share the oil because it's something that's personal. It is, it is one-on-one. It's you and Jesus. It's you and the Holy Spirit. It's you and the Father having your relationship, and it's not shareable. You know, kids, you cannot share the relationship of your parents in their Christianity. You have to have your own relationship. You have to develop that relationship. We can't wait to the last minute. This is a relationship. This is a history that we need to build. This, this vial of oil that they had with them, the extra oil, is your history with Jesus. It gets filled over time. We need to, now, we need to spend time with them every day because these lamps, they only hold enough oil for one day. But over time, we'll collect more oil. And in, in, the, in the time of great crisis, in the time when, when life is shattered around us, in the time of that, of that hard, hard, hard time that's coming before Jesus' return, we need that extra oil because there's going to be a crisis upon this planet that nobody has ever seen before. We can't live in that time frame just on yesterday's oil. We can only live and minister through that time, be a light, have that burning, be a burning and shining light in that time. When we have a history of who we know God is, we know that He's faithful because we spent time with Him. We know that he's our perfect shepherd and leader because we've let him lead our lives for months, years, decades. And when it gets dark and we, we are having a hard time knowing where he is or what's going on, we know his heart because we've come to know him. We know him as as the meek king. We know him as the almighty king. We know him as the creator. We know him as our provider because we've experienced him as the, those. Not just read it in a book, not just heard it preached from up here. We've experienced him in those various ways. And there are a multitude of descriptions of who he is in the word. And when I read those, I say, Jesus, I want to know you that way. I want to know you as my provider. I want to know you as a suffering servant. I want to know you as the one who knows everything. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you as my healer. I want to know you as the one who leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. I want to know you, Jesus. 
want that history with him. I want my light to shine bright. I want, I want to have a testimony in my life of who he is. The last place we see the lamp is in the book of Revelation. It's in chapter 2 when, he write, when Jesus tells John to write a letter to the church of Ephesus. And in this letter, he tells him, he says, I know your hard work. I know your good theology. I know that you have defended the faith. You've guarded against the false teachers. You've endured hardship. You've endured suffering. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But he tells him, he says, we have a problem. You've left your first love. What Jesus said when asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest and the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. To love God with all of who you are. Love is a relational word. To love God is to get to know him. It's to obey him. It's to hear his voice. It's to discover who he is in every way that he will show himself to you. And then Jesus said, and out of that, the second commandment will flow that you love one another. Now, the church of Ephesus, they had started strong. They had an amazing revival. Their testimony had gone throughout all of the Asia Minor. They had been running really well. They had probably developed many ministries. They fed the poor. There was healing. There was, you know, a lot of good, good, good things going on. But Jesus is saying, you've forgotten something. In your busyness of, of ministry, in your busyness of life, you have, of doing good things, you have forgotten something. And that's me. You've forgotten our relationship. You have walked away in some way. You have you've stopped coming to be with me. And when the second commandment, ministry, loving one another, overcomes the first commandment, it runs out of oil. And the light begins to dim. And Jesus told them something. He said, repent. Come back. Let's get this relationship restored again. I want to spend time with you. But if you don't repent, and again, this parable, this, this letter is not about salvation. He's telling them, if you can't come back and restore that relationship with me, I'm going to remove your lampstand. The lampstand is the place where your light sits, where your lamp sits, to give light, to give a testimony. Remember Mary of Bethany? Her story was to go with the gospel. 
wherever the gospel was preached, I want you to talk about me. I want you to talk about who she was and what she did for me, how she knew me, how she loved me, how she was extravagantly devoted to me, the relational part of the message. If you're preaching a gospel, he tells Ephesus, that doesn't tell people to come to me and have relationship with me, I don't want that message going out. I'm going to remove your lampstand until you restore, till our relationship is restored. And then you can again be the light of the world. Ephesus was about to become one of the foolish virgins. But Jesus was, was giving them the opportunity to restore that and not lose their place of ministry, of being a light. This is what Jesus wants from us. He, he calls you to be the light of the world. But to be that light requires the oil. And the oil is the time you spend with him, the relationship you build with him. Now, some of us don't have those amazing testimonies. I don't. But I've been a believer for 45 years now. And I can look back, and I have a history with Jesus. I have many, many testimonies that I can talk about. Sometimes I'll, I'll get asked to give my testimony. It's like, what part of it? Because there's, there's so much that God has done in my life and so many things that I have come to know him as. So don't, be a, don't, don't feel like you don't have a testimony because you don't have a big, big conversion deal. But look back at how God has walked with you, how you've come to know him, and you begin to see that you've, you've, you've had that light. You are that light. As a new beginner, as a new believer, you, can, you get the oil immediately, and you can be a light immediately. But you can't live on that that first experience. We need to continually come to Jesus and come to know him. Find out who he is. This is what he wants. This is his desire. I want to end. Oh, perfect timing. Although I'm going to take a couple more minutes. I want to end with another story from the Bible that to me expresses this. It's from the Song of Solomon. In the Song of Solomon, we have the bride, and we have the bridegroom. The bride represents you and me. The bridegroom is Jesus. Well, the Song of Solomon is, is, is an allegory, a story of who, of the developing relationship between the bride and the bridegroom. You know, at first she's all giddy and excited about him. Well, then she gets... And then he, he walks her through different parts of life, and, and she begins to mature in her faith and her relationship with him, and she, she falls deeply in love with him. And in chapter 5, she says, I, I was sleeping, but my heart was awake. She was at a place of rest, but her heart was just alive. 
because of her love for him. And she hears his voice, and he comes and rattles her door and says, come be with me. And it's nighttime. And so she, she hesitates a little bit because, you know, this is a little bit out of normal. You know, usually young brides who are in bed already don't get up and go run out in the middle of the night, okay, through the town. Well, she, she gets up, she opens the door, and he's gone. And she's like, oh, where is he? So she runs out into the dark, into the night city, and she's looking for him. And in the story, she, she encounters some difficulty and some different things in there. But, and, but then she comes upon a group of young women. They're called the Daughters of Jerusalem. These represent the more immature Christians in the, in the faith. And she comes to them, and she says to them, if you see my beloved, tell him I'm lovesick. Well, because of their immaturity and their experience with men in the world, they look at her and go, say what? what you want us to tell him what? What kind of guy is this that you would tell us, you would have us tell him that you're lovesick over him? Well, she responds with a song. And in this song, it's a, it, she describes who he is. And this, this song is a, is a description of his character, of his strength, of, of who he is, the ways that she has come to know him. My beloved is dazzling and ruddy. He's fully God. He's fully man. He's outstanding among 10,000. There is no one. No one who compares to him. Is that your testimony today? Do you know Jesus in a way that there is no one who compares to him. She says, his head is like fine gold. She's speaking of his leadership in her life. Her leadership, the way he has led her through her life, she looks at it and goes, it's perfect. It is perfect. Do you know his perfect leadership in your life? She goes on and sings some other things, and at the end she says, he's, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. This is her testimony. And what happens when she gives her testimony? These young women look at her and, and go, where is this guy? You tell us where he is. We want to know him too. What is that? A testimony that brings people to Jesus because of who he is. And after that testimony, they say, we want to know him too. That's what it means to be a light in the world. And Jesus desires that of all of us. It's not just getting up and and, you know, preaching the gospel, which is good. Uh, you know, we need that. 
But in our relationships with people, when they see how Jesus has been a part of our life, how many here have, have given a testimony and someone says, I want to know him? Raise your hand. This is what Jesus wants. To be, uh, for us to be the light of the world that is fueled by our relationship with him. You know, and after this happens, Jesus comes to her, and I think he was kind of sitting off in the shadows watching this, this whole thing in the, in the Song of Solomon. And his response to what she said, he says, you are beautiful. Turn your eyes away from me, for I am overwhelmed. <laughs> your love for me is overwhelmed. Jesus wants you to know him in every way possible. In this life, not just, not just in heaven, in this life, there is so much that he will make himself known to you if you will take the time if you will have the, the ongoing conversation with him. Build your history with Jesus and let your testimony of who he is and your experience with him draw others to him. Be wise. Get oil.